Monday, the new week off and rolling. What's up, everyone? Tanner Hoops with you in studio coming at you as I love to do every weekday on ESPN UP. Glad that you're with me. We got a lot that happened over the weekend, and of course, we're going to touch on all of it over the next hour. Pack show today. I've got a few guests that are going to join me on headsets shortly, including representatives from the Milwaukee Admirals, and we're going to tell you where you can find the UP experience at the Ball Diamond. Uper Day. And baseball, it doesn't get much better than that. That's coming up this weekend. You're going to find out how you can be a part of it here in the next hour. First, I want to start with the NBA playoffs because if you're listening to this show, you probably are a fan of either the Bucks or the Pistons. Maybe you're just listening because you generally care what I think about the subject, and for that, I appreciate you. But game four tonight with Milwaukee leading three games to nothing, a chance to close out the Pistons and move on to the second round of the NBA playoffs. It could be the second team to do so They already know the Boston Celtics are waiting for whoever wins this series. Blake Griffin made his return to the lineup the other night. He was really good. I mean, Blake Griffin looked really good coming off injury. The rest of the Pistons didn't. And that's the difference in this series right now. That's why Milwaukee is about to wipe away 18 years of frustration. They have a chance to do it tonight. Because what happened 18 years ago? That was the last time Milwaukee won a playoff series. They reached the Eastern Conference Finals that year, and you would think they would be the favorite to get back there this season. They have the Boston Celtics. Presumably, they can close out Detroit. They would have Boston waiting in the second round. And you get people saying, maybe Boston is the team we thought they were going to be all along. Such high hopes for them starting in July when LeBron James left the Eastern Conference. Everyone thought it was Boston's to run away with. And that didn't pan out this year. They showed glimpses of the team that... Everyone thought they were going to be. But now people are starting to say, did they turn the corner now that they swept Indiana? I'm a Boston fan, and I'll be honest, I don't think so. I don't think there's a lot we can take away from Boston series against Indiana. You know, it's not a knock against Boston. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do anything to make us think that they're going to be any worse than when they ended the regular season. But were they impressive against Indiana? Not all the time. They were struggling against an Oladipo-less Indiana team, and they shouldn't have. Granted, the last three games of that postseason series, Boston absolutely dominated the final eight minutes or so of each game. Boston knew how to close out games. They knew how to finish. They have Kyrie Irving and obviously Victor Oladipo not there for Indiana. Two best closers on each team. They make a big difference. We can take something away from the Bucs series against Detroit. They have won the first three games by an average of 24 points. And even with Blake Griffin in the lineup, Detroit was no match. The Bucs are playing the way they're supposed to, the way we all thought they would entering the postseason. Am I saying that Boston is going to get rolled by Milwaukee? No, I think it's going to be a good series. I really think this is going to be a fun series. It's not going to be a sweep like either team, presumably Milwaukee gets it done tonight, either team had in the first round. It's going to go at least six games. And I wouldn't be surprised if it went either way. Being completely honest with you, the Pistons season probably is going to end tonight. But this was a giant step forward for them this year. They should be encouraged. They should look at the future and be optimistic about Piston basketball. Last season, 39-43 and 43 under Stan Van Gundy. He got fired after they missed the playoffs. They bring in the reigning NBA coach of the year, a guy probably never should have been on the coaching market to start. But that was a home run hire. And it looked like this team was dead in the water, not even going to make the playoffs a few months ago. They made a few moves at the deadline. Bringing in Thon Maker was huge. They moved Reggie Bullock, got a few pieces back, and they really started building a team that 
showed glimpses this year. They weren't going to be a team that we really thought could go to the second round, but they were a team that looked like they could maybe finish top six in the Eastern Conference. Obviously, it's a bit of a letdown the way the season ended, kind of limping into the postseason. But if you're a Detroit fan, you have a head coach that knows what he's doing. You have one of your best head coaches in a long time. And you've got a front office that's willing to make unconventional moves. And a lot of the moves they made at the deadline did pay off this year. This offseason, the front office is really going to get put to the test because the Pistons are still a few moves away. Because as encouraging as the Pistons have been this year, they're front court heavy. Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, even Thon Maker and the boost that he brought late in the season. They need to be more balanced in the backcourt. We were all waiting for Reggie Jackson to take that step forward, which he showed glimpses of doing, but could never do it consistently. Same thing with Luke Kennard. He was spotty. When he was good, he was really good. But he was spotty. He wasn't consistent enough. The two top players on the Pistons roster reside in the front court: Blake Griffin and then Andre Drummond. Here's the thing. It's great to have those two. You can win a lot of ball games with those two, and they improved this season, the Pistons did. They improved by two wins, and they made the playoffs. They won 41 games this year. But to take that next step and to be a real competitive team, it's not going to happen with Griffin and Drummond as your top two options. You need balance. You need to have a guard step up and take command. I don't know that Reggie Jackson is going to do that. And unless they hit a home run with somebody in the draft, you need to look at maybe moving. One of those two, Griffin or Drummond. The problem is, both of them are locked into lucrative contracts. Who's going to take that off their hands? For me, this is something the Pistons need to explore. They don't have to pull the trigger on. It's not a need they need to do in this offseason. See how the draft goes. See what you can get from there. See how Reggie Jackson is progressing in the summer. But if someone makes you an offer you can't refuse, for Griffin or for Drummond, you got to take it, don't you? Because you need to balance that backcourt out. What if you get an all-NBA guard in exchange for Blake Griffin plus a draft pick or a lesser player? You think the Pistons could refuse that? I mean, Drummond is still a good enough big man. He's not Blake Griffin, but he's still good enough to play the position. Plus, you get a top-tier guard to space the floor, which you desperately need with Drummond playing your four or your five. It wouldn't be the worst option in the world for Detroit to do it. Now, you'd like to hang on to Blake. You would like to move Andre Drummond if you had to move one of the two. You don't have to, but if you had to, Andre's the one you want to move. Andre Drummond is a guy that I firmly believe if he played in the NBA 15 years ago, he'd already be a Hall of Famer by now. He'd already have guaranteed his spot in the Hall of Fame. His skill set is just not built to be the superstar of the modern NBA. 15 years ago, yes. Now, to reiterate, I'm not saying that the Pistons need to shop Blake or shop Andre to be successful. I'm not saying they have to get rid of either of those two. What I am saying is they have to get better in the backcourt. They have to get more consistent in the backcourt to be successful. That's the key to success. And I don't know if that's going to come from the draft or if that's going to come from the free agent market, trading for somebody. I don't expect them to move Griffin or Drummond. I don't even know that they should. But then the question becomes, how much do you trust your front office? The same guys that drafted Luke Kennard. Again, not a bad player, but he hasn't turned out to be the home run that Pistons fans were hoping for. Do you trust him to eventually get it right while keeping the core of Griffin and Drummond together? 
which means you'll probably make the playoffs again. You'll probably be about 500, sneak into the playoffs like they did this year. But are you content with that? Are you content with getting swept out in the first round like what's probably going to happen tonight? To take that next step forward, the Pistons need to bolster their backcourt. They can't be frontcourt heavy. Elsewhere in the NBA playoffs, before we go to a break, Utah is at home tonight clinging for dear life. They take on the Rockets, who lead the series 3-0. That game will tip off at 10-30. Can we put out a petition that if Utah loses this game, they get swept out of the first round, that we get to take away Utah's franchise? I mean, this has been embarrassing. They had two games where they looked like they didn't show up. Houston just dominated them in Texas. And then game three, they hold Harden without a field goal through three quarters, and they lose. Tough scene. couple more tickets can be punched in the second round tonight via the sweep. Yesterday, Golden State hung on to beat the Clippers 113-105. Golden State leading the series 3-1. The Raptors said they were going to be okay against the Magic. They come back from a 1-0 deficit in the series, now lead at 3-1. They beat Orlando 107-85 yesterday. And things keep getting worse for Oklahoma City. They lose at home to Portland 111-98. Portland leads the series three games to one. Stanley Cup playoffs, the Bruins and Maple Leafs. Who thought that would be the best series of the first round? Boston wins 4-2 in Toronto yesterday, forcing a Game 7. I didn't think Toronto had the goaltending to be in this series. But they're giving Boston all they can handle. And while I do think Boston-Toronto is the best of the first round series, San Jose and Vegas put on a show. San Jose winning two straight to even the series at 3-3. They win in double overtime last night, 2-1. Tomas Hurdle. One of my new favorite players because he guarantees prior to puck drop that there would be a Game 7. He scores the game winner last night in double overtime to force a Game 7. Looking at games tonight, Washington with a chance to close out Carolina. They lead the series 3-2. Hurricanes fighting for dear life on their home ice. That game will get going at 7. Then at 8.30, I thought Nashville was going to breeze past Dallas, but the Stars are on home ice with a 3-2 series lead and a chance to close out the Predators this evening. Terrence Crawford remains the welterweight boxing champion, taking down Amir Khan by technical knockout in six rounds. Although it was a little underwhelming, you felt like Crawford was controlling the fight, but an accidental low blow, that put Khan out of contention. Could not continue after getting hit below the belt. And the fight was called after six rounds. That was kind of underwhelming. It's an underwhelming way for Crawford to win the title. He was probably going to do it anyway. They continue to have the debate between him and Lomachenko. Who is the greatest boxer in the world? We'll find out soon enough. But that's kind of an underwhelming way to retain the welterweight belt. Either way, big weekend for Crawford, despite the underwhelming ending to the fight. We got a minute before we hit the break. Let's go to baseball real quick. Tough one for the Brewers yesterday. Cody Bellinger single-handedly the difference maker. Robs Christian Yelich of a home run, then turns around and blasts the game winner. A solo shot in the ninth as the Dodgers take down the Brewers 6-5. to Darren Norris wins his first ball game since 2017 as he helps the Tigers take down the White Sox 4-3 yesterday. Does anyone feel bad for the New York Yankees? I'm talking all the non-Yankee fans here. The Bronx Bombers have become the Bruise Bombers. They've got 13 players on the injured list as of today. Their injured list lineup right now could contend for the playoffs. Look at their lineup out of players that are on the injured list for them. They have Gary Sanchez behind the plate. 
They would have an infield of Miguel Andahar, Didi Gregorius, Troy Tilowitzki, and Greg Bird, and an outfield of John Carlos Stanton, Aaron Hicks, and Aaron Judge. You even have a good pitching staff, Luis Severino, their opening day starter, who was supposed to be their opening day starter, and Dylan Patanzas, an all-star reliever. So here's what the Yankees are putting out in the field right now. Here's their starting lineup. The outfield from left to right, Clint Frazier, Brett Gardner, and someone named Michael Tuckman. Hadn't heard of him. Giovanni Urshela playing third base, the former Cleveland Indian. Glaber Torres, DJ LeMayhew up the middle. Luke Voigt playing first base. Michael Ford, did not know him either, is the DH. And Andrew Romine behind the plate. The Yankees injured list team could beat the starting nine that they put on the field right now. But again, if you're not a Yankees fan, you're not feeling too sorry for them. We owe you a timeout when we come back. We'll tell you how you have a chance to experience youperism at the ballpark. The UP experience coming to a minor league park near you. That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad that you're with us. Well, this Saturday, the UP experience is coming to the ballpark. The Wisconsin Timber Rattlers will be hosting their annual Uper Day, and I'm joined by team president Rob Zerjab. Rob, really appreciate you taking the time. Hopefully you had a good Easter weekend. Yeah, Tanner, thank you. No, uh, you can't beat the weather, and uh, yeah, we're excited that spring apparently is finally here. So uh, we're, we're excited to get going. The team is back back home this whole week, and we are very excited uh, for Uper Day coming up. Uh, this Saturday. Yeah, big weekend with uh, Uper Day festivities, an annual tradition for the Timber Rattlers. Tell me about how Uper Day originated and how it's evolved over the years. Uh, well, honestly, uh, this will be our, our second second go-round for Uper Day, and it, it sort of started. Uh, actually, I uh, have a buddy who owns a bar in De Pere, uh, the Keweenaw Pub, and uh, it's, it's a big haunt for for folks that are either transplants or just coming through uh and uh he's he's originally from the up and and we just got talking about it and uh then from a timber other standpoint we started thinking you know how can we draw more people in april you never know what the weather's going to be and we said you know honestly it's it's going to be nicer probably in appleton than it, it's going to be up in the up so they're going to actually think it's nice weather if they're coming down this way and and we figured hey let's give it a shot um I've actually, my wife and I have gone up to the UP quite often now in the fall, just for a vacation. We love it up there, love the people, love it, love everything that goes on up there, and uh, have some friends that are transplants down in this area, and uh, thought, hey, let's let's give it a shot, let's see. And it went over huge last year, um, and uh, we're excited about our second annual this year. And uh, we have different packages available, and, and we have a T-shirt again for the first thousand that that come through the gates. But uh, we have a this is our first year we're doing a an actual package for $25, you get a box seat ticket and a, kind of a flannel, red and black checkered flannel hat um, with the Tim Rutler's logo, but then the UP uh, insignia on the side. Uh, so, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of fun things going on, and it looks like the weather's supposed to be getting perfect this weekend. So uh, hoping folks are going to come down and, and hoping, uh, uh, yeah, folks from the area and just everybody that can kind of celebrate and, and uh, all things UP. Well, you said it went over really well last year. Did you get a lot of fans to make the trip down to Appleton? We did. We did. I want to say we probably had close to 1,000 folks that uh, have some sort of origins with uh, the Upper Peninsula. Tell me about some ways that the fans uh, will feel the UP experience once they're inside the gates. 
Well, we'll have uh, pasties will be here and uh, from Nylons. And, uh, you know, everybody, we, we weren't sure how well that was going to go over last year, and it went over huge. We sold out right away, so we'll have even more this year. I think that's kind of the biggest biggest thing that's going on. But, uh, again, we'll, we'll do some nods to, to the UP and, and um, good-natured ribbing, but at the same time just letting people know that uh, it's, it's a great place to vacation. It's uh, a, just a, a good place, uh, yeah, to, to take a trip and, and, again, celebrating those folks that, that, that are from up there and give them something to do down here, but then also the folks that are transplants and they live down in this area now can uh, kind of celebrate their heritage as well. Oh, beautiful stadium you have down there in the Appleton area, previously hosted the D3 College World Series. Tell me about that stadium for those of us who've never been there. Yeah, we actually are celebrating our 25th anniversary, uh, and people are shocked to think that uh, the stadium is 25 years old. It's in great shape. We've added on, and uh, about five years ago, we we added a, a renovation in the second level to the ballpark. We have a club club space, indoor, climate-controlled, so whether the weather is good or bad, there's a great place for people to go and enjoy the atmosphere, enjoy the game. Uh, very easy to get to right off of Highway 41, uh, easy on, easy off, lots of parking. So if people want to tailgate, uh, we have that opportunity. Uh, and it's extremely affordable. Um, it's, it's professional baseball. All of our players are, are signed by the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, so you're seeing great baseball. Uh, but, yeah, ticket prices, uh, our, our best seat is, is, a, is a $15 ticket. So you, you can't, can't beat the prices. And, um just quality at the ballpark and uh, we're excited again from the brewer standpoint uh we have the brewers number one pick bryce terang is playing shortstop for us he was their number one pick last year uh signing bonus of a little over three and a half million dollars and he's kind of living up to it he's uh, he's a talent uh, he's only 19 years old uh, was drafted out of high school and uh has played extremely well for us so far um, we're hoping he'll be here the whole year but uh you know if he keeps playing the way he is he'll probably Get, get moved up, but uh, for sure we'll be able to check out Bryce on, on Saturday. Well, Rob, the gates will open at 11.30, game time set for 105. You mentioned the $25 ticket package includes the flannel hat with the Timber Rattlers logo. Where do fans go to sign up for that package? Yeah, um, feel free to give us a call at the box office. Um, that's phone number 920-733-4152, or you can just go right online, uh, timberrattlers.com. You can see and, and find the, the special Uper Day package. And uh, when you go through the tickets, I, you put in the code Uper, and then you can get that, get that package. Talking with Rob Zerjab, the team president for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers Class A affiliate of the Brewers. They'll be hosting Uper Day this Saturday in Appleton, Wisconsin. Encourage my listeners to trip down, see some quality baseball. Rob, is there going to be any new wrinkle that you've added to Uper Day this year you didn't have in your first go-around last year? You know, the, well, the, the hat is the, the big addition that uh, people are really excited about. Um, we did a T-shirt giveaway last year. We'll do another T-shirt giveaway this year. So, again, the first 1,000 through the gates will get a special co-branded Uper and Timber Rattlers T-shirt, uh, themed T-shirt. Uh, so the hat is kind of the new new wrinkle. If, if you have an interest in having the full ensemble and have a hat and a T-shirt, um, the only way to get that, that hat is to, to buy the package in advance. Um, and we do ask you, you buy the package. I, I don't believe it will be avail- available on Saturday, so you're going to want to get that package in advance. And I do know they're going really well, so we're, we're excited about that. Uh, but, it, yeah, everything went over so well last year that um, we're, we're tweaking things a little bit. But, 
uh, yeah, a, a lot of a lot of the same things. Uh, a lot of fun at the ballpark. Do you have some thoughts, maybe for the future, how you want to expand you per day, or anything that you might want to change up in the future? You know, we're always interested in, in feedback. So anybody that has any ideas on how we can make it a better day, please please shoot us a message if you're here on Saturday. Say, hey, this would be great, or this would be really neat. Uh, so we're always kind of taking those those ideas and. Like I mentioned, uh, I love coming up uh, to the UP. Um, the summer for me gets pretty busy with baseball, but always in the fall. So um, we might be kind of checking out some different ideas, and, and I know there's some breweries up there too, and, and maybe it's adding some beer in the future. Uh, we've talked about saunas, and, and uh, but we're always looking for partnerships and, and different ideas for, for from folks, and especially those that, that know it best. And, and uh, So, yeah, we're, we're open to anybody's ideas. Oh, Rob, you talked about some of the amenities that fans can expect on Saturday, themed amenities for Youper Day. On a typical day at the ballpark, what do fans expect in addition to what will be going on on Saturday? Yeah, and, and honestly, whether folks are, are baseball fans or not, um, you're going to see quality baseball, but you're going to have a good time regardless. Um, we're really big into promotions, in-between inning promotions. There's always something going on, uh, so you're, you're going to have a lot of fun um, either way. Um, Again, if you haven't been out to the ballpark, um, our big attraction is called the Bratzuka. Uh, in between uh, the fourth and fifth inning, uh, we have this con- giant hot dog brat launcher that uh, we shoot brats into the stands. Uh, that, that's always the, the, the big deal for us during our games. But then we'll have a lot of other promotions going on between all the other innings. Uh, we have a kids' area here. We have just a lot of lot of just unique spaces that if you want to wander around the ballpark and um, it's not just typical ballpark food either. It's not just hamburgers and hot dogs, even though we have great great hot dogs, hamburgers, brats, and all that. But a lot of different other food options uh, to kind of satisfy everybody's palate. Um, but always, yeah, something going on with, with promotions or just, again, great great spaces for the kids. And uh, Saturday as well will be kids run the bases after the game, so the kids get to go down on the field and, and take a lap around the bases uh, following, following uh, hopefully the win on Saturday. Oh, Rob, I, while I've got you, I wanted to ask you about the origin of the nickname Timber Rattlers. How did that come to be that that was the moniker for your baseball club? Yeah, we, um, again, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary, and it was about 26 or so years ago that um, they were talking about rebranding the club. We were the Appleton Foxes. We were going to get a new stadium, so they thought, let's let's look at maybe changing the name up and just rebranding the team in general. Uh, There's four names that, that were sort of thrown out to the to the general public and uh, more so it was brought to some middle school kids they figured okay they're the future of 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 the team so let's let's get something that they really like and uh, each moniker had a logo and i really think the the snake logo is what what sold the sold the fan base on it and uh, the kids loved the timber out their snake um, we became the Timber Rattlers because of that. Uh, there is some origins to Timber Rattlers in, in more so the west side of, uh, of the state of Wisconsin. Uh, but yeah, it was really it was grade school, middle school kids that, that decided that they really liked the logo, and it really took off. Uh, the logo still is a top seller in all of minor league baseball. Um, we refreshed the, the logo a little bit this year, but again, it's been so popular we didn't we didn't uh, really make wholesale changes, just tweaked it a little bit. And, uh, again, just been extremely successful and, and just been fun to see going around the country. Just all of a sudden somebody will be wearing a Timber Rattler hat, and it's just uh, it's a logo that people really enjoy and um, we're really proud of. Probably gives you a lot of options to work with as far as a mascot too, huh? <laughs> yeah, 
Well, people joke about that. They say, how oh, you have a snake mascot? How does that work? He doesn't have any arms or legs. But uh, ours, uh, ours morphed, and he does have <laughs> arms and legs. And, uh, yeah, so Fang, is, Fang has been... Uh, been very very popular with the kids as well well rob uh just underway in the minor league season but as a whole how are the rattlers doing early on um we started off kind of like gangbusters and uh we have a lot of talent on the team but just a little bit younger and uh kind of hit the skids a little bit the last couple of weeks and uh need to kind of get back on track but again like i said there's a lot of talent and uh a lot of fight in the club the last couple of games uh we've we've kind of came back and then just fell short in extra innings or, or lost by a run. So uh, I think we're, we're just uh, starting to gel, and I, I think uh, as the, the year goes on and it starts to warm up, again, for a lot of our players, they're all from Florida, California, the Dominican Republic, and, and uh, it's a little cold up here for them right now. So hopefully as the weather continues to warm up, they're going to start playing a little bit better too. Rob Zerjav is the team president of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. They'll be hosting Uper Day at the ballpark this Saturday. Gates again at 1130. First pitch is set for 105. Rob, really appreciate you taking the time. Hopefully you have great weather on Saturday. All the best the rest of the way. Appreciate it, Tanner. Yep, thanks, and uh, hope to talk soon. We'll take a timeout. Coming up, the Milwaukee Admirals start Calder Cup play last night. The postseason path opens up in a rough way down south. We'll break it down next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. We'll have a guest join me on headset in just a moment. Talk a little Milwaukee Admirals hockey. But first, here's your Sports Center update. Mark Giordano, Brett Burns, and Victor Hedman have been named the three finalists for the Norris Trophy given to the NHL's most outstanding defenseman. Kelly Stafford, the wife of Lions quarterback Matthew Stafford, has returned home after 12 hours of brain surgery. She took to Instagram to thank everyone for their thoughts and prayers. And again, we continue to supply the Stafford family with thoughts and prayers. And finally, an Omaha man was being rushed to the hospital with a heartbeat that reached 200 beats per minute. And on the ride to the hospital, the ambulance hit a pothole and the jolt returned the man's heartbeat to a regular rhythm. Apparently that can happen. A doctor said it is possible. It's the same thing as when a doctor says clear and jolts you with electricity in a hospital. Hitting the pothole returned the man's heartbeat to normal. That is your Sports Center update. Once again, this is the Sports Pen here on ESPN-UP. Glad that you're with us on this Monday afternoon. Well, the Milwaukee Admirals dropped the puck on Calder Cup playoff play last night. They were dropped 7-0 by the Iowa Wild in Des Moines last evening. And join me on headset from Des Moines is Aaron Sims. He is the Director of Broadcast and Media Relations for the Milwaukee Admirals, HL affiliate of the Nashville Predators. Aaron, really appreciate you being on headset with us. I'm an Iowa native. How's Des Moines treating you? What are you doing in your day off? Uh, I love this city. People ask me all the time, what... Uh what cities do you like to go to? And honest to God, I tell them Des Moines. I love this city. Uh, made some friends here over the years. We've been coming here for 14 years since the stars, or since the yeah, since the stars were here in '05. So uh, we've been coming here a long time. Made some friends. So I'm going to see some friends today, and uh, 
Court Avenue and all of that stuff. Yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful city. Plus, it's about eighty degrees, so it's it's perfect time to be in Des Moines. Have you made a stop at Fong's Pizza or Zombie Burger yet? We are staying. I haven't been to Fong's yet. I haven't been to Zombie Burger on this trip. Both of them have happened in the past, uh, and both are probably on the schedule here. Uh, hopefully tomorrow before the Admirals leave after what we hope will be a, a win in Game Two. Well, Aaron, a tough one last night, opening up postseason with a 7 nothing loss to the Wild. Tell me how that game went from your perspective. What did Iowa do right? What did the Admirals do wrong? Well, the best thing about it was that it ended um, for the, from the Admirals' perspective. <laughs> uh, the Admirals, it, it's so it's such a funny thing. Like The Admirals had a 14-game point streak, captured 25 of a possible 28 points down the stretch to not only get in the playoffs, but to move up from seventh place to second place uh, over the last six weeks of the season, um, and then it's like they just forgot that's how they how they got there, and how they got there was grinding in front of the net and getting greasy rebound goals and and all of these things that you hear cliche coaches talk about. And the Admirals, it was all perimeter offensively, and then there were turnovers at the blue line, and there were missed assignments defensively, and. Uh, it, it's it, it just it, it was stunning. It was stunning to watch because there had been six weeks of let's call it goodwill built up by Milwaukee, and it all went away. Now give Iowa a lot of credit; uh, they had three players come down from the NHL parent club. Uh, Luke Cunning is a fantastic player. Ryan Donato was the top scoring rookie after he was acquired by Minnesota from Boston, and Jordan Greenway. And Greenway played 81 games in the NHL this year, so. Uh, those are three pretty good players to add to the lineup, and that bumps everybody down. So your first line becomes your second line, and so on and so on. Um, and Iowa is a really good team, and they've got a deadly power play, and, and they do a lot of good things. There's no doubt about it. But I think the Admirals feel a lot of what happened last night is more on them and how they played. They got frustrated. They took penalties. There were nine uh, power plays for Iowa in the game that can't happen against a team that is 24, 25 percent on the season. So, uh, and, and even if they don't score, there was no chance to build up any positivity on their own end because they're playing five on four or four on five, as the case were all night. So, um, that needs to change. Uh, I know the coaches have been pouring over video. Um, you know, yesterday it wasn't on the coaches. It was the players kind of took off on their own program. They knew how to get there. The coaches didn't change a thing. It just all of a sudden it didn't work. And I guess credit Iowa to a degree in the, in the fact that they knocked the Admirals off their game uh, as well as they did and, and really, really smoked Milwaukee in game one. And now the Admirals need to bounce back. It's it still takes three in the first round of the AHL. It's a best of five. It still takes three wins to do it, and the Admirals are just one game behind now, so they gotta they got to figure out a way to do it here, but it, it would certainly help if they did it tomorrow night. Well, Aaron, you talked about the three players that the Wild reassigned from the parent club, Greenway, Donato, and Cunning, guys who saw a lot of ice time at the NHL level this year, and that's one luxury that the Wild have with Minnesota not being in the NHL playoffs that the Admirals don't have with their parent club, Nashville, still in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You talked about the depth and how it moves everyone down the line. Did that depth really become evident late in the game? Yeah, I think so. I, there's a player for Iowa named Cal O'Reilly, and if you're a Milwaukee Admirals fan, you know so well what Cal O'Reilly 
has done. He's the Admirals' all-time assist leader since they joined the AHL. He's one of the tremendous offensive players. His brother is starring for St. Louis, Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, Cal is 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 going to be an AHL Hall of Famer, and and that's high. That's gonna that says something. I mean, this guy is is one of the best, and now he's not your first line center. I mean, he's he's a Hall of Famer. He's still a point of game performer in this league. And he's not your first line center, um, so that that causes some matchup problems. Um, you know, and he's you drop him down, and and his wings are a guy who scored twenty seven goals this year, and a and a rookie who has had a fine season as well. So uh, it's it, it does cause some major problems. Um, that being said, you know the Admirals and in the American Hockey League in general, this happens frequently. So you need to adapt. You need to figure it out. Um, you know the Admirals are a good team too. They need to they need to match up a little better. They need to play smarter, and and we'll see how it goes in game two. Tell me about some comments head coach Carl Taylor had following last night's defeat. Well, he's just kind of at a loss. Um, Carl, you know, head coaches have to take the losses, right? They they have to take responsibility for it, um, and and Carl does. Uh, I don't know that he should. Uh, I mean, he's part of the he's he's part of the team. Obviously, he's the head coach of the team. But um, it, this it, it, it was just a, a team that that went off script yesterday for whatever reason. Um, the, the Admirals started the game. Iowa came out and pushed a little bit, uh, physically, literally pushed the Admirals a little bit. Then the Admirals started to push back, and then the Admirals started to try to be the aggressor, and it seemed to just knock them out of their game. Like Iowa got in the Admirals' collective heads. Uh, in the contest. So the Admirals need to be uh, a team that, uh, you know, they're looking ahead to game two. And I don't know that there's anything redeeming from yesterday. Uh, they need to look ahead to game two. Coaches, I know, like I said before, they're pouring over film to, to try to find some positives. They they reinforce with positivity. Um, sure, they'll show a couple of negative things, but these guys are professional athletes and they know what went wrong and what what. It, what went right, and very little went right. So they'll go over some things, they'll work on some things, but it's basically just today is at practice uh, is just a situation where they're gonna they're gonna go in and do their work like they normally do, try to keep everything as normal as possible because this is still a team that went eleven o two and one down the stretch. So they just need to remember who they are. They didn't do that yesterday. They need to do that here in game two. Talk with Aaron Sims, play-by-play man for the Milwaukee Admirals, AHL affiliate of the Nashville Predators, Milwaukee falling in last night's Calder Cup opener 7-0 to Iowa. How's the team spending the off day, Aaron? Are they focused on anything specifically in practice? Uh, no, it's, it's kind of a normal practice. Um, you know, the coach has five keys at the beginning of the series, five things that need to go right, and four of them are focused on what his team needs to do. So, it's not so much what Iowa does or can do or anything. It, it's more about what the Admirals do. And uh, what the Admirals need to do is get to the net. And, and you can't simulate that necessarily in practice. So uh, the practice is just going to be a quick workout, uh, a kind of a reset, get back to get back to who we are, move on, all of that stuff. It's, it's just going to be it, it, try to, you know, it's, it's the, the sun came up the next day, that kind of thing. So, Let's move on and make the best of what we have today rather than focusing on what happened yesterday. I had one of the players, Joe Pendenza, tell me, if we're worried about Sunday's game on Tuesday, then there's no chance. 
there's no chance. We got to worry about Tuesday's game and what's in the present, and and that I, I expect that that will be the case. Last night was Iowa's first ever playoff game. It was their first ever playoff win. Did the crowd and the atmosphere reflect that, and did that put pressure on Milwaukee? Yeah, well, you know what? The Admirals are one of only two teams in the Central Division this year to have a winning record on the road. So I, I don't know that it put pressure on Milwaukee per se. Um, there's a good fan base here, and it's been a long-suffering fan base here. Uh, there hasn't been a playoff game in Central Iowa in, in, in at this level in more than 10 years since the Stars were in the league before they left for Austin, Texas. So uh, it has been a long, long time, a long, long wait. And, and uh, you know, this Iowa team, when they moved up here from Houston, uh, it was one of the worst teams in hockey uh, at any level for three of its six seasons. And uh, the last couple of years, they've started to put things together, and they've spent some money on some good veteran players, a chief among them, uh, Cal O'Reilly, who I've mentioned a few times, and, and is just he's he's phenomenal. Um, so you bring him in, you bring him in as a leader, you surround him with Landon Ferrero, uh, who's a tremendous veteran in this league uh, and a good man. He won he actually won the AHL's Man of the Year award. Uh, there are good people here. Uh, I know they have done a lot of. Uh, programs to reach out to the area. They do a lot of school visits and play a lot of floor hockey and try to get kids interested. So they have done a very good job building their business, uh, but not so good on the ice hockey rink. And now they're starting to do fine on the ice hockey rink. Last year they finished fifth in the division, just missing the playoffs. This year they get in as the third seed. Um, they have been building over the over their time here, and uh, it's it, it's kind of a perfect storm. The playoffs are funny because you're not going to draw until you get to later rounds and draw the interest of people. You're not really going to draw a lot of people in the first round of the playoffs because it's not part of your ticket package. So if you can draw some people, uh, you feel pretty good about it. And Iowa had almost 5,000 in the stands, and I think they have to feel really good about it, being that it was an, uh, it was a holiday, Easter Sunday, and, uh, and that, it, like I said, it wasn't part of the season ticket plan. So... Uh, they did a good job with that, and, and Iowa certainly uh, really, really fed off the energy. And when, when you come out and you score that first goal uh, in a playoff game, or any hockey game for that matter, that's going to get the home fans involved. And they really got involved after the first goal by O'Reilly last night. Well, Aaron, you said it takes three in the first round of the Calder Cup. Is tomorrow night a must-win for Milwaukee? Uh as close as it can be, you know. You don't. I don't. You know. You, I know coaches don't like to say it. I don't know people don't like to say it. Right. I mean, they, technically, they're all must wins. But uh, you know, or you'd like to think. But um, you know, it's still you still need to win three. So it, it, if you go back to Milwaukee for games three, four, and five, if necessary, um, but it certainly would be good. I mean, the thinking when you do this because of the travel in the, in this series, um, the Admirals had the option of taking two at home or three at home, but starting on the road. And they chose to start on the road. And, and it's a good thinking, not only uh, business-wise, because you get an extra week or so to try to sell tickets, but it's a good thinking uh, hockey-wise, because you figure you go on the road, you get one, you've got home ice advantage. So you split on the road, you come back, you only need to win two in your old building. And uh, so that's that's a good thinking. So uh, I think, yeah, I think for, for the team's psyche, uh, after the whipping they had yesterday, they need to get number two, not only to, you know, most importantly, to even the series, but also to build up uh, for the next three, four, and, and potentially five. 
Well, Aaron, lastly, what's the biggest key fundamentally that the Admirals need to do and need to do well tomorrow night to come out with a win and split down in Des Moines? Or is it really a psychological thing after last night? No, I think that, you know, these are pros and a lot of them have played before and, and all of that, right? So they, they, they just, they'll just move on. Um, the big thing is the first three penalties the Admirals took were completely unnecessary yesterday. There was one where they shot the puck out of play and there was an interference call that, you know, the puck was well by a guy and he still took the body and, you know, just things like that. They have to stay out of the penalty box. They can't kill more than three penalties in a game. Yesterday they tried to kill nine and they did an admirable job. They killed eight, but you're, you shorten your bench. You end up playing the same group of guys over and over because you're constantly killing penalties. You never have possession of the puck. You're just trying to clear it. So they need to stay out of the penalty box. That is the biggest key. And the other thing is just get back to what you were doing. The shots that the Admirals took in last night's game, um, they didn't get through. They need to find a seam. They need to shoot. They need to quit being so patient. They need to get to the net and just bang and bang and bang. That's what they got. That's what got them here in their 14-game stretch down the road, 14-games uh, uh, streak down the road, uh, down the stretch. So they, that needs to happen again for the Admirals to have success. Aaron Sims is the play-by-play man for the Milwaukee Admirals, the AHL affiliate of the Nashville Predators, down 0-1 in their first-round series in the Calder Cup playoffs. Aaron, really appreciate you taking the time. I know Ailey Tolvanen's on your roster. Tell him happy birthday for me. I covered him two years in Sioux City. Oh, very nice. I sure will. You know what? I believe his host family was here to meet him last night oh, after the okay. game. So, so that was pretty cool to see. There was a, yeah, it was very cool. So I, I sure will. Thank you for that. Let's take a time out. When we come back, Charlie Bramer will join me. He'll help me settle a debate. Who is the biggest sports star in Milwaukee right now? Christian Yelich or Giannis Antetokounmpo? Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you as we wind down to the 5 o'clock hour on this Monday afternoon. Cold, overcast, a little bit rainy. We're joined by Charlie Bramer. He's on headset. He's down in Milwaukee, was treated to the Brewers-Dodgers game yesterday at Miller Park. Charlie, how was it getting to see Kershaw back in action? It was a great game. Um, The Brewers have struggled scoring off of both Kershaw and Kenley Jansen. Eric Thames comes on in the the eighth, hits that home run. We thought we were all going to go home happy, but then obviously Cody Bellinger came along again and disappointed us all. But then after the game, I got to spend some time with some relatives and some family. It made it all a lot better. That sounds like a pretty good day for baseball. And, you know, I tell you what, it's always good seeing some family down there for Easter. And all in all, it's a pretty good way to spend an Easter holiday at the ballpark. It is, it is, and I got my first sunburn of the year. Just roasted, <laughs> just roasted me. <laughs> Weather's a lot better down there than it is up here. Hope you don't have much of a rush to come back up this way. Nope, yep, I can just take my time. There you go. That's that's what I'd be doing if I were you. I uh, tell you what, there's a debate going on, at least somewhat of a debate. Who is the biggest sports star in Milwaukee right now? Christian Yelich or Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I tell you what, this is a coin flip for me. I think I could go either way with my prediction. I, had, I don't have a choice between these two. I don't have uh, 
I, I don't think I could pick between the two. I think I could go either way, and I wouldn't be wrong. There's a case to be made for both of them. But we asked our listeners, we put this on the Twitter poll, I'm not surprised by the winner, Charlie. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised by either winner, but I am a little surprised at how wide the gap was. The winner got 64% of the listening audience vote. And that was Giannis. Giannis got 64%. Yelich got 36 So according to our listenership, Giannis is the most popular sports star in Milwaukee. Would you agree? I, I have to agree, although it's pretty nice to have two MVPs. And really, <laughs> if you want to throw Rodgers in there, really get crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have three MVPs possibly this upcoming season in the state of Wisconsin. I I had to go with Giannis as well because I figured the NBA is just that much more popular. If you're walking down the street, who who is somebody going to recognize? Obviously, aside from Giannis being seven foot tall and Greek, I mean that <laughs> might that might help you recognize him a little bit. But um, I just just what with what he's doing in the NBA, in the star power of the NBA, for him to be front runner for MVP in a league like the NBA, I, I guess I just have to go with Giannis. Although with what Christian Yelich is doing, I, I mean, it, it's stuff that Ryan Braun, Prince Fielder, some of the greatest Brewers players of all time have never even done before. Yeah, Yelich is on pace to hit, what, only 80 home runs this season? I'm starting to think the Marlins might have lost on that trade. Yeah, I mean, and... And what what Lewis Brinson, the cornerstone of that deal, I don't even know if he's with the Marlins Major League team anymore. I know he got demoted at some point last year. Well, I tell you what, uh, there's a case to be made for both of them with what they're doing. Giannis, of course, with a chance to go for the sweep tonight in Detroit. Think they do it? I, I really think they do it. I think Detroit will add on to the longest playoff losing streak. I mean... Obviously, the Bucks have not won a series in a long time, but Detroit hasn't won a game in almost just as long in the playoffs, and, and, and I think that's going to continue tonight. I just don't know what Detroit can do um, to stop Milwaukee's offense. Well, then that sets up a really fun showdown here over the next couple of weeks and a couple of sports pens to break down. Bucks and Celtics, Eastern Conference semis. Oh, who didn't see that coming? <laughs> My goodness, what, what a great, what a great, great that's just going to be a great matchup well i tell you what according to charlie and our listenership Giannis antetokounmpo is the biggest sports star in milwaukee right now honorable mention to christian yelich but i tell you what here's how we're gonna end the show today we're gonna take a look down in the farm charlie bramer's down in the farm report he's gonna give us a look at five minor leaguers in the brewer system to watch coming up charlie go through your list for me tell me who we should be keeping an eye on and why well, see, I was so happy when you asked me to do this list. This is exactly, this is right in my wheelhouse. And, and I thought, my list is going to be different than MLB.com's prospect list. I, I really thought it would be. And then I, I put my list together with everything I had seen. And, and a lot of it's just kind of my eye test. So we can, you know, that, a lot of it could be left up to debate for sure. But then I looked at the MLB.com list again, and they were strikingly similar. Of course, I had to start out with Keston Hira, overall number one. Um, I mean, he's the best right-handed bat I've seen, especially in the Brewers system since Ryan Braun. And and I'm I'm even more excited about him than I was about Ryan Braun at the time. 
he's going to have plus power. Um, his hitting tool is 70, and his power is 60, and he plays a second base. So to have that as a middle infielder, that, that'll just be huge for the Brewers. And, and just with the Brewers' history at second base, he has a chance to come up and be the greatest second baseman in Milwaukee Brewers' history. And, and then at number two, I really I wanted to throw a pitcher up in the top five. And, and looking at what Zach Brown's doing with what I saw um, in spring training, I had to go with Zach Brown at number two. Um, the Brewers graduated. They've graduated Josh Hader, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta. So their farm system looks depleted. But then again, these guys just got to the majors, and they have tons of club control remaining. And here's another guy, Zach Brown, who looks like he'll be getting called up at some point this year. Um, that bullpen's already struggling, and he's exactly he, he'll be the cure to that bullpen. Throws big righty, throws upper 90s, hard slider, hard curveball, working on a changeup. He'll be just what the doctor ordered for this Milwaukee bullpen. And at number three, Corey Ray, he his power and speed combination in the minors, it won him double-A Southern League Most Valuable Player last year. And at number two, Zach Brown, he also won the Southern League Most Valuable Pitcher. So the Brewers are still quite stacked with top-end talent at double-A, triple-A. So, so I really like the potential to still add from their prospect list. And, and at number four, I thought, who's somebody for the future that, that could be making an impact three, four years down the road? And, and Bryce Terang, number one overall pick for the Brewers last year. They got him in the 20, 21st slot. Um, he, he's a shortstop by trade. He could play all over. He has a big arm. He's a lefty bat. Um, obviously, he throws righty because he's playing infield. So that would be nice to add another lefty bat down the line. And he's kind of an insurance against whether or not Orlando Arcea's bat ever gets going or not. <laughs> and and if he's still struggling in a few years, you know, maybe maybe Terang will have his shot. And uh, and then to round out the top five, there's Mauricio Dubon, and he would have got called up last year. He was batting well over 300, um, and he tore his ACL. So he came back, went through spring training, kind of had a different regimen this spring training. Didn't get to see him a whole lot, but he's already off to a nice start at uh, AAA this year for the Brewers. His OPS is somewhere around 750. So it's nice to see him not having an extended slump coming back from such a major injury. It's funny you mentioned Bryce Terang. I had the president of the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers on the show earlier today, and fans around here are going to get a chance to see Terang in action because the Timber Rattlers are hosting Uper Day this weekend at the ballpark. So a few times for Terang to come up, but really special talent they've got there. You talked about the pitchers that the Brewer Farm System has graduated and they brought up to the majors, and Zach Brown certainly seems to be on that path. I don't know who's the minor league pitching coordinator for Milwaukee, but give that guy a raise, man. Lock him to a long-term deal. It's kind of funny that you mention that because the Brewers' new pitching coach, uh, who was just hired this year, was the uh, pitching coordinator for them, and, and, and he is essentially the guy um, um, who brought everybody up. Uh, I believe, I always get their pitching coach and hitting coach mixed up, but I believe it's Chris Hook. So so that's exactly what they did. They're like, my goodness, this guy's doing a great job. Um, and, and they were all just 
just pounding the strike zone in the minors with upper 90s stuff. And then, of course, we said they graduated Corbin Burns to the majors, and he kind of, in this last week, um, he, he's been demoted again to work on some stuff. He's been leaving his fastball up in the zone way too much, and I believe he's already given up 11 or 12 home runs um, in the majors this year. So they sent him down to work on that, but hopefully he'll be back in 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 little time at all because the Brewers really need help on the pitching side of the ball right now. Well, I tell you what, Charlie, you look at your five guys, your top minor league prospects in the Brewer farm system right now, which of those guys has the best chance of reaching the majors first? Oh, it, it's really going to be injury, I would say, that probably dictates that. Um, if it was based on pure talent alone, it would definitely be Keston Hira. If the Brewers had not signed Mike Moustakis, um, I wouldn't have been surprised if we had already seen Hira this year, although many were speculating the Brewers would hold off on that until sometime mid-June um, so that his service time accumulated would not make him super too eligible uh, as far as when it came to arbitration a few years down the road. Um, since Mike Moustakis and Aaron Perez are playing so well at second base right now, it might be a bit of a roadblock for Kesson Hira. Obviously, Moustakis only has uh, just this one year on his contract. Um, if there's an injury at all in the outfield, any day Corey Ray could be called up. Um, last year he hit 27 home runs, had 37 steals. He really looks a lot like Carlos Gomez, but... It seems to me like their personalities could not be opposite. So he's just a really quiet, uh, goes-about-his-business type of guy. Um, Mauricio Dubon is another guy that would have been called up already, but since he got hurt himself, um, so really I would have to say Zach Brown has a chance to be called up before any of these guys because the Brewers need pitching help, and, and he's got a golden cannon of an arm, and they need that pitching help. And you know how the Brewers use their pitchers. So I, I would have to say Zach Brown probably has the best chance to be called up. And it could really be any day or week now. Well, you talk about the Brewer bullpen, and that was supposed to be one of the strongest points of the team this year. And obviously it hasn't worked out that way in the early going. Still long season, though, and the Brewers are one game out of first place, sitting in a tie with the Cardinals, who they're going to play tonight, which means Yelich is going to have anywhere between two to four home runs tonight. Alone. <laughs> yes. Man, what is it with that guy in the Cardinals? Why does he love playing the Cardinals so much? I I don't know. Maybe it's just the manifestation of all the frustration Brewers fans have had with the <laughs> Cardinals over the years. It is so nice. You know, Ryan Braun always used to pound teams like the Padres. And, and it's like, no, we need you to save your home runs for the Cardinals. Well, now Christian Yelich is finally doing that. Well, I tell you what, you've got the Bucks with a chance to complete the sweep tonight, become the second team to punch their ticket to the second round of the NBA playoffs. you got the Brewers taking on the Cardinals at 745. Which game is going to be on in the Bramer household? Or you may be doing a little split screen. Oh, I will definitely be doing the split screen. I'll have the Bucks game on TV probably, and I'll have the Brewers game going on MLB.com and, uh, or the MLB TV uh, on the at bat app if you don't have that app and you're a baseball fan it's just a fantastic way to watch your team follow your team get all the out of market games so i just have to have that so so i'll be able to 
but but the problem is is I'm not coordinated enough to watch both. I kind of catch myself just staring at one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, I do have the At Bat app, but I do it for the radio subscription. You know, I'm a radio guy, and and I haven't missed a Twins game yet this year, so that app's coming in handy. I'm getting my money's worth with it. It definitely is, and I know they're going to be having some sales coming up. It sounds like I'm plugging it, but really, if and they do Mother's Day, Father's Day type of stuff, you can get it for the rest of the season 50% off. It's a great deal. MLB will be sending you the check here shortly. <laughs> oh, geez, wouldn't that be nice? Charlie Bramer with us. He's joining us on headset from Milwaukee. He was down at the... Brewer game yesterday, good way to spend Easter with the family. Charlie, appreciate you as always. Good list, good segment on Giannis and Yelich. Look forward to talking again soon. Drive safely when you make your trip back up here, and don't rush it, man. The weather's not great. Oh, I, I totally appreciate it, Tanner. And this list, like I said, it was right in my wheelhouse. I could have yammered on a whole show about this stuff. It was a lot of fun. Thanks again. That's it for us on the Sports Pen. Will Kane after us. Thanks for tuning in on ESPN-UP.